and welcome to It's an Arsenal Thing podcast before the unwanted, unwelcome World Cup drama unfolds. From the 20th of November to the 18th of December, 32 teams will compete across 64 matches in the baking hot sun of Qatar, where VAR will no doubt work perfectly. A competition where global personality and... <laughs> personality... And heavily groomed England manager Gareth Bathsponge explains why his squad failed to win anything again. With me on this unforgettable journey is a man who never runs away from a challenge as long as it's after 10.30am. It's Silent Dave Hutchinson. On the menu tonight, the difficult away encounter at Molyneux against an indifferent Wolves with a match report from Connor in Gonna Get Into It. You already know the outcome, but we'll attempt to squeeze every joyous last drop out of this result, which left us sitting pretty at the top of the Premier League going into the enforced hibernation period of a global tournament that nobody wants. And it will be consigned to a contentious quiz question in years to come. I'm in the gun room with Jay, Tom the Gooner, Nick and Ben to talk about the early Caribou Cup exit, the timing of the World Cup, the Wolves game and a host of other subjects, plus five players with long and illustrious careers that never received a red card. It's not Granite Xhaka. AFTV is 10 years old. Just to celebrate, let's go over to Daz Allegro and Barry Mint. That was a shocking performance, bruv. Do you hear me, blood? Winning and then going top of the league. It's not good enough. Very weak, Daz. Not at the races. At this rate, we'll win a trophy and get some cred and we don't want it, blood. We don't need it. Let one of them shit teams win it or something, innit? That Arteta need to go back to Spain and pick oranges or some equally colourful, vitamin-enriched, thick-skinned fruit. It's an Arsenal thing. It's an Arsenal thing. Believe it or not, it's an Arsenal thing. With football and transfers, you know you'll bring. You're listening to It's an Arsenal thing. Now, in the last podcast, we mentioned that Arsenal and Chelsea were the first teams to wear shirt numbers. We kind of skimmed over Arsenal and mentioned Chelsea. What happened there, researcher Dave? Looking sheepish, munching on a sausage roll. Well, we'll skim over it. Don't worry, Dave. We'll, we'll just it, it never happened. The earliest record of shirt numbers being worn dates back to August 25th, 1928. Arsenal played away at Sheffield Wednesday and lost 3-2. Is that why we didn't mention it? We'll say that. It would just be overlooked. The numbering system was way different back then. One team would wear 1 to 11 and the other team would wear 12 to 22. That's amazing! Isn't it just? It's an Arsenal Thing podcast. Football's in our DNA. Prior to the match, let's give you some interesting facts about Wolves and Arsenal. The first game ever played was 24th of September 1904. Arsenal won 2-0. It was then the Woolwich Arsenal versus Wolverhampton Wanderers. The heaviest defeat was the 1st of December 1934, where we won a spanking 7-0. Let's do the head-to-head -head prior to the match. Arsenal could have become the first team to win seven Premier League away games against Wolves. They were currently level with Liverpool on six victories. The Gunners have scored in 29 successive competitive fixtures against Wolves since the 1-0 top flight defeat at Highbury in 1979. Right, it's time to go over to Connor for his final match report before the World Cup ensues. Wolves versus Arsenal. We were looking forward to this one in Gonna Get Into It. An absolutely massive win for us at Molyneux on Saturday night as Arteta's Gunners moved five points clear of Manchester City thanks to a superb 2-0 win away to Wolves. 
Two second half goals from our Norwegian captain and saviour Martin Odegaard did the damage in what was ultimately a devastatingly commanding and clinical second half display. The hosts were the better side in the first half and could have easily been awarded a penalty when William Saliba appeared to trip the lively Gonzalo Guedes before the Portuguese attacker curled just wide from just inside our penalty area. It was bottom side Wolves' fourth loss in five league outings and time will tell whether or not new managerial arrival Julian Lopetegui, the former Sevilla manager, can guide them to safety after the World Cup. Martin Odegaard's double sees our Norwegian's goal tally rise to six in the league, our top Premier League goal scorer heading into the month and a half winter break. Gabriel Jesus was so close to breaking his goal scoring drought, lashing in before being flagged offside and then later smacking the crossbar with a beautiful curling effort midway through the first half. Alexander Zinchenko and Ben White were once again sheer class at either side of defence. William Saliba was fortunate not to give away a penalty and struggled, I felt, against the pacey and tricky Gonzalo Guedes at times, particularly in the first half. Jesus was sensational again, Martinelli, Saka and Odegaard always involved, but unfortunately Granit Xhaka had to be replaced due to what looked like a stomach bug in the 16th minute. He was replaced by Fabio Vieira, who was tucked inside beside Thomas Partey in midfield too for the first time in his Arsenal career. Although the Portuguese midfielder took time to adapt to the new role in the first half, the Wizards looked more than assured in the second half and effortlessly set up Odegaard for the first after a perfect ball across goal and clever movement to get in behind the Wolves' defence. It was such a well-worked goal, the first one that. More to come on that one later. But wait, wait, wait. Before all that, City lost 2-1 to Brentford earlier in the day at home. A result which meant we were guaranteed the league's top spot at Christmas and heading into the World Cup break. We were surprisingly slow out of the blocks though and Wolves threatened quite a bit on the counter-attack early on with the previously mentioned Geddes chance going just wide and VAR deeming Saliba's trip not to be a penalty-worthy foul. Well, despite our slower-than-usual standards in the first half, Jesus struck the bar and volleyed just wide from Ben White's brilliant cross. Not to mention his brilliantly taken offside goal too, sensationally collecting Martinelli's cross before smashing home the volley. The Brazilian was so unlucky to be flagged inches offside. Saliba's blind pass across his own goal almost gifted Gonzalo Guedes the opening goal just before half-time, but thankfully the shot deflected just wide. We were much improved in the second half, with Vieira visibly getting more and more into the encounter. It was his assist which allowed us to go one up in the 54th minute. Jesus picked the ball up on the left-hand side, just outside the home side's penalty area, before driving towards goal. Then out of nowhere, Vieira made a darting and clever run in behind the Wolves' defence and he was found brilliantly by Jesus. In on goal and from a tight angle, Vieira put the ball on a plate for the incoming Odegaard to tap home. Exquisitely crafted and 1-0 to the Arsenal. Wolves really threatened after our opener and we put the, the game to bed with 15 minutes to go. Martinelli blocked down a clearance and won back possession outside the Wolves' area and fed Zinchenko on the overlapping run with a lovely backheeled through ball. The classy left-back's pullback just evaded Party, who was storming in. But the ball fell kindly for Martinelli, whose first-time effort was saved well by Sa, only for Odegaard to collect and rifle in the rebound into the bottom corner to send us top with a convincing win. Another statement victory, which sees us open up a five-point lead at the top of the Premier League. The biggest lead we've had at the top of the Premier League since the 13th of December 2013. You'll remember Aaron Ramsey 
single-handedly putting us at the summit back then. But just listen to these two stats. Arsenal will sit top of the Premier League table on Christmas Day for the first time since the 2007-2008 campaign, a season in which we ultimately finished third. Arsenal are the only side to have scored in every Premier League game this season, while we've also the joint fewest goals conceded, 11, and the joint most clean sheets so far this term with seven. Brilliant win again. Now the World Cup to look forward to. We're back on Boxing's Aid. Finished on Saturday at the Molyneux Stadium. Wolves nil, Arsenal 2. Told them I am the Prince of Grime and I just came back from putting brothers in hearses. I was with verses, talking on the bat of the verses. Perfect. Young gun of the scene. I'm keen, might turn up with the troops like AFTV How you flexing 14s, then shoot and miss, that's peak Conjetez your mach, come like Thierry Henry Lean, ride out if it's beef Don't think we ain't gonna, I got shooters in my team If she belongs to the streets, that can't be mon ami Conjetez your mach I'm like Thierry Henry Your ex thinks he's the best in Man City He barely got in this Champions League no. Told that gal to stop pulling my leg Or you ain't gonna get third leg from me Asking for D, I threw more rattle Cadavesque for Yamos es fuego Told my Spanish thing hasta luego I was at hers, scoring away goals Gal wanna sex and press When I saw that gal let undressed I was like mm titty She starts talking French No idea what she said But I'm nodding my head like oh really? That's mad, that's tricky Bro bro call me back, I'm too busy I'm trying to bend her back and get jiggy Things get sticky, I grew up in trenches Get your corner taken quickly if you don't defend it You're on a winning streak I'm Watford coming to end it It's kinda foul how I get free kicks If bro wants some I'll send it They try to say that's breaking the rules like Beckham In 01 I'll bend it Hit man with a Lampard I target Lay man on the floor like carpet French team says she wanna go tape I don't know nothing about like I said darling Lock that black and white like BR football's logo Girl you're jarring Excuse me pardon I used to drink man up like Pogba Don't ask to the air like Drogba Try striking it'll get messy I'll be handing out kicks like Canton Nora than handing out kicks like Jet Li You ain't got the stone so don't tempt me Say what I want no filter Be careful who you keep in your company You'll get Jack for Sterling and Silver Better tell a brother get running Cause if I draw for the satin Ain't gonna be no discussing To get a brother gone It's nothing just a push But I'm a brother acting like a rubber Get you ready for touching Don't wanna see no pushing or shoving I'm done with the fuss and the bluffing Wait, you don't wanna see how far I can go I was in Germany doing up madness Would've thought man was Jaden Sancho Young gun of the scene Vieira, I'm keen Might turn up with the troops Like AFTV How you flexing 14s Then shoot and miss, that's peak Conjetez your mach Come like Thierry Henry Lean, ride out if it's beef Don't think we ain't gonna I got shooters in my team If she belongs to the streets That can't be mon ami Conjetez your mach Come like Thierry Henry Right, it's getting on for Christmas. You can almost feel the snow in the air, can't you? You can smell the roast turkey. You can definitely smell the Brussels sprouts. And it led me to thinking, what can I buy Auntie Ethel? She doesn't exist, so I don't have to bother. What can I buy Jim next door? Well, he's fictional as well, so I haven't got to worry about that. And uh, how many times can Amazon deliver to our door breaking the record? The current record is six. I'm sure they can squeeze a few more in.
Then I started thinking about the 12 days of Christmas. How about we bring you five, the five days of Christmas with an Arsenal flavour? On the first day of Christmas, Arteta gave to me the top of the Premier League. On the second day of Christmas, Arteta gave to me two hench defenders and the top of the Premier League. On the third day of Christmas, Arteta gave to me three slick Brazilians, two hench defenders and the top of the Premier League. On the fourth day of Christmas, Arteta gave to me Jacker and Party, three slick Brazilians, two hench defenders on the top of the Premier League. On the fifth day of Christmas, Arteta gave to me a five-point lead. Jacker and Party, three slick Brazilians, two hench defenders on the top of the Premier League. FC Zurich boss Bo Henriksen sounds like a porn star voiced his displeasure at Spanish Michael's touchline shenanigans. Arsenal faced Zurich twice in the Europa League group stages. But the opposition manager claimed that Mikel was too aggressive. How can you be too aggressive just wandering up and down a white line? News of Gabby Martinelli's inclusion into Brazil's World Cup squad was not well received by everyone outside of Arsenal. Former Brazil midfielder turned broadcaster Neto labelled it a calamity. What's that about? He said it was also a shame overlooking other players. Mikel Arteta came out in defence of Fabio Vieira, whose form has been a little bit inconsistent. He said, I think in front of goal, he's been unlucky because in the past two games, he could have scored a few. But every player needs time to adapt. We've asked him to play lots of different positions because of the needs we have in the squad. I'm not worried at all. It's time to enter the gun room for a natter. Hi, welcome to the gun room. Look at this. I'm absolutely surrounded. We've got Nick. How are you, Nick? Hey, guys. Yeah, I'm good. I'm a little depressed with the World Cup here, surprisingly, because uh, all I want to do is watch Teddy's Tricky Reds. <laughs> Table topping Tricky Reds, that is. Yes, yeah, uh, we'll talk about the World Cup. It's a pain in the bum, isn't it, really, coming at this time. Uh, Thomas, first time on show. Do you prefer Tom or Thomas? Uh, I honestly don't mind, guys. Call me wherever you want. Congratulations on the name, anyway, Tom. That's a superb name you've got going on there. Ben, <laughs> first Thank time you. on the podcast. Uh, how are you, sir? I'm great. Uh, excited to be here. Uh, glad I'm inside and well, avoiding. Don't be too excited. <laughs> this is about as good as it gets. <laughs> and my main man down there in his office, Jay. How are you, Jay? All good, thanks. All good. Splendid, splendid. I love it all. Um, mm. Yeah, we'll get cracking. Oh, I'll talk about that after we're off the uh, off the pod. Well, um, top of the Premier League for the first time since 2007-2008 at this time of Christmas. Uh, four goals behind Man City. That's all we are. And it's all looking peachy, isn't it? We're going to cover the Brighton game and uh, we'll kind of skip over it a little bit because it was uh, a bit of a washout. But we'll find out how you feel about the Caribou Cup. Um, some people are upset by it being uh, an early exit and some people are not bothered this one uh wolves as well we're going to talk about that but first off i haven't got the party hat but it's thomas Vermarlin's birthday and jens Lehmann. um let's have a quick reminisce if anyone remembers 
Um, Jane, Jens Lehmann, give us a couple of words about that guy. Yeah, Mad Jens. Yeah, what a great, <laughs> great keeper. Um, crazy. Um, Mad as box frogs. Yeah, always up to stuff, or always up to uh, his little antics. Um, but he was a key member of that Invincibles team. Um, crazy as they come, but great goalkeeper nonetheless, and great mentality, um, led by example, but just a complete nutcase, which I loved. You never knew what you were going to get from him, did you? He was, um, you know, quite placid at times, or we seemed it, and then he just kind of lost the plot. He was on a very short fuse. Anyone else remember Jens Lehmann? Yeah, definitely. Oh, no, yeah, yeah. Um, the year I remember the most about him was the year we got to the final of the Champions League. And he was on incredible high because, let's be honest, he was incredible during that campaign. But then he got sent off in the final, which was, you know, obviously ruined that for him. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But that season alone, he was incredible. He really was, especially the game against Real Madrid, the nil-nil at the high, at Highbury. Um, but yeah, for some reason, because the year before that, I think he got pushed out by Amunia, let him, I think Wenger let him like recharge his batteries and then he came back into the fold and he was incredible and he got picked for Germany in the 2006 World Cup. So he had a good legacy after all, to be honest. Funny you mentioned Almunia, my, uh, overwhelming, I mean, he was a good shot stopper, Almunia, but, uh, he had this tiny little dog and it had a little fur coat on it. That's all I remember about him. Um, <laughs> Right then, the World Cup is coming about. It's uh, nearly upon us. Um, Nick, what's your thoughts about this World Cup? It's, it sucks, doesn't it? It's at the wrong time. It's just a money-making exercise, isn't it? Set Blatter came out just recently and said it was a mistake. Well, thanks for that, Set, because you were right in there at the beginning of it. What's, your, has, what's the mood like? I know what mine's like, but what's yours like? Yeah, I mean, I think I'll always favour club football over international football so yeah especially in the shape that we're in right now I'm sure there's some teams that are like oh great or some some supporters that are happy to watch something else but I know for us it's you know we're we're, we're addicted and now we're going to be deprived for t- about two months and uh, that's going to be tricky so yeah I mean I'm happy for our guys and we'll be excited for them um not sure about the United States chances so we'll see how it goes but yeah, probably better than England's <laughs> we'll see you, about that. Have you that. seen what we're sending out there? Thankfully, <laughs> Ben White made the team, and he should play. So, um, yeah, the timing is weird. I mean, I'm going to have to watch almost every game at work, and it's not supposed to be that way. And uh, it's just supposed to be a summer thing. This is interesting, and yeah, just it it reeks of corruption of the of the highest order. So, yeah, but I mean, we're football fans, and it's it's more footy. So, I guess that's all right. Ben, is it a plus for us or is it a minus? Is it uh, does it give us a welcome respite so we can regroup and refocus on things, or is it just busting up the momentum? It's going to be hard to get back into it, and plus there may be some injuries as well. Yeah, I think when you look at the season as a whole, it's probably a minus because of the run of form we're on. I think we might be in a slightly better position than some of the other top six clubs. In terms of who's going, who's playing, how much of our starting eleven is is in contention. So if you're comparing it there, but overall, like we're just, I'd rather take a good run of form than um than a mid season break. Uh, I'm never a fan of an international break, and so a two month one just seems like absolute torture. 
So yeah, picking up momentum it. after that is, is tough. Yeah, I guess the only thing is it's the same for everyone. So everyone's got the same opportunities. Uh, I see Maurizio Sari has uh, had his say, which is uh, interesting. I see this November break as an insult to football. If anyone can tell me what the Qatari movement brings to football beyond money for PSG, I'll change my mind. Uh, I think that kind of sums up the mood, doesn't it? There will be some England supporters and some American supporters, you know, right behind their teams. But it's uh, it's just an uncomfortable thing now. It's just destroyed what was a good thing. Now let's go on to the the Brighton loss. We won't cover it too heavily, obviously. Um, Jay, are you devastated or relieved to be out? Um, Well, I wouldn't say I'm relieved. It's never nice to lose, but um, in the grand scheme of things... um, is it a blessing in disguise? Quite possibly, you know. Um, definitely the, lead, the 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 lesser of our priorities, but um, I think it was just another example of maybe that the, the squad that there's quite a big drop, isn't there, from the the main guys, the main sort of match day squad, Premier League squad to the uh, to the cup squad. I do apologise, my my Labrador's going crazy in the background. If you can hear him, he's and you might see him see his tail. There he is, look. Hey, it's nearly as bad as when my cat went past and <laughs> you just saw the shadow of his tail. <laughs> so I do apologise. No, all in all, look, um, lovely goal by Eddie. Uh, yeah, it was. By all accounts, I think Reese Nelson did okay on the night. But uh, like I said, the, the squad players didn't really take the, the, their, their opportunity. Um, but grand scheme of things, not too fussed about being out. Well, it does show that we got uh, a very thin squad anyway, which we all knew. But uh, if we had gone on in every single competition, uh, I think we would have been really stretched, not knowing what's going on in January. Um, Tom, were you uh, a bit peeved that it wasn't televised or anything? It was a it's a weird one. You, you'd expect it to be televised somewhere, wouldn't you? It's like a blanket yeah. blackout. Yeah, it is a shame um, because Tottenham I actually TV. could have watched it. Yeah. <laughs> But um, I am not really that fussed either, to be honest. Like you said, we know we have a small squad. Um, I'm just hoping that in January they will actually give him what he needs because this is a great uh, situation we're in. To be first, five points ahead. Um, obviously, you've got the Europa League to think about as well. So I think that's the two major honours we're going to fight for. And I, I did think about it after the Chelsea game. I said it, I tweeted it out that I honestly think we can do it now. Um, we're showing maturity. Just go and get the right quality that you need in January to help us push for it. And if it doesn't happen, and it's because, I don't know, the better team, Man City, go and get it, then I'm not going to be really that upset. It just, it just depends how we come back from the World Cup. Not too many injuries and pick up momentum. I think we can do it, definitely. Yeah, I think uh, the tide's starting to change. Uh, we said last week on the podcast, you shouldn't really start thinking about it until February, but it's hard not to, isn't it? You know, you're five points clear, you're top of the table, Santa's come early, um, you're just looking forward to the rest of the season, see what happens. Um, there's some interesting bits, where's the spectacle? Um, uh, there's just a few sample sort of uh, comments. John Gregory says, I've never understood the apathy towards the League Cup. Um, he's calling it the League Cup still. It's coming um, towards the League Cup. Some people treat it like it's not worthy of winning. 
Uh, it's not like we've won it 20 times. Some fans don't understand how difficult it is to win a trophy. Uh, a little pop there at Tottenham. Uh, Nick, what do you say to that? Do you think there is a general apathy towards that cup? It, in my priority list, it's way down there. It's just above the Charity Shield, to be honest, or Community Shield, whatever it's called these days. I definitely agree. I'd rather prioritize some rest for some of these guys, and I think that's what we did. So, yeah, I'm also not too bothered by it. I mean, we can talk about Tottenham's trophyless run as long as we can, and as far as you can go back, their last one was the League Cup, and I think that says even more about them and, and their struggles than anything else. So, yeah, it's not prestigious. I think uh, it easily could have been scrapped this year. Just I, I almost wish we just would have thrown the kids out there like Wenger used to do. I feel like this would have been the chance to do that, but I'm okay with the you know the second string essentially getting getting a run and getting minutes but yeah i uh i don't value it at all and it, yeah like jay said i'm never happy when we lose but i didn't get to see it so that made it a little better a little more bearable and and uh yeah i'm totally fine with us not having uh more games um than we do when we're really focusing on a couple other things yeah, I mean, uh, the Premier League should be the target and the FA Cup and the Europa League. That's, you know, whatever way you want to look at. Me personally, I'd go for the Premier League every time. If we can get that and get in with a sniff of that, then that's the priority. Uh, Europa League, obviously, and the FA Cup, because we've won it so often, it's our cup, isn't it? Might as well just put it in a trophy cabinet and leave it there, really. Um, uh, I don't know whether you probably haven't seen it, Nick or Ben, but... Um, there was Matt Lucas doing a little sketch and he was supposed to be, I'm a celebrity in the jungle and he puts his hand into this box and it's all covered in cobwebs and the camera pans out and it's got Tottenham's trophy cabinet on it, which was hilarious. So, uh, and he's a gooner as well. Uh, ben, um, Darren John says, we lost a better team because we didn't take it seriously enough. Wait until the new year when we are tiring and stretch beyond capacity. We'll look back on last night as a realistic chance of silverware. We just brushed it aside. Yes, we did. <laughs> ben? I, I mean, I think we brushed it aside because we're focused on bigger and better things. If we, We're not a small-minded club, and so if we want to focus on small-minded things, then we can, but we're pushing for the Premier League. We're pushing for the Europa League. And then we have to reclaim our own personalized cup. And so uh, I think it's okay that we brushed it aside. And and again, it's Arteta showing that we maybe do need a little more reinforcement in the squad, building a little depth. And so it's working on a couple fronts that um, we can build. We can show kind of the guys where their level is on with that second string while still you know, prioritizing what's actually important to this season, um, which is the Premier League. Yeah, we were a bit patchy in that game anyway. We uh, we had some passages of play where we could have actually, well, apparently from what I heard, couldn't see it, but uh, apparently from what I heard, we were doing quite well in uh, sort of phases. But 10 changes was phenomenal, wasn't it, Jay? Um, you kind of expected, and I... I hold my hands up. I actually dropped myself in it because I said, oh, we should easily roll over Brighton. I'll probably regret that. And uh, I do a bit because I don't like losing any game. But uh, Jay, um, comments on that match, really, and uh, viability of that cup in general. I mean, it's one of those cups. There's a couple of cups, really, we could phase out, isn't there? The Community Shield or whatever. I think you came up with an idea. 
uh, about the Community Shield on one of the pods. Can you tell us about that? Can you remember it? No, I don't remember. Oh, <laughs> Sorry, it, it mate. just killed the pod. Uh, no, no, as far as um, <laughs> the League Cup, I mean, I, I don't do this see... to him every, every single pod, <laughs> and he does something to me. I don't want to see it. Um, <laughs> No, I don't want to see the League Cup scrapped. I just think, um, I think Brighton made, just going back to the game, I think Brighton made some changes. Um, and uh, obviously their their squad players were, were more ready, I suppose. Um, like like we've all said, the squad's not quite strong enough from, you know, to it. It's not, we, we haven't got the city's level of strength where they can attack all the trophies with and, and rotate um, massively and still be, you know, ultra competitive. We're not quite there yet, are we? You know, we haven't got that um, that strength in depth in every position. Uh, but no, I don't want to see the League Cup scrapped. Um, it was just, I mean, Brighton, are, they're not a bad side, are they? You know, even they've got some good players still, you know. And uh, I, I did expect us to do maybe a little bit better. But I think in the long run, um, what was it? I think the top five out of the top six went out, something like that. So then that tells you everything about such a, a season that's going to really pick up after the World Cup, um, you know, having the the the, the, the without the without having the League Cup there, I think might be definitely a blessing in disguise, um, especially when Europe comes back and you know um, you don't know what the squad's going to be like after the World Cup, do we? So definitely a blessing in disguise. And the balance of things as well. I mean, if you look at it, Tottenham played as full strength side. And they went out to Forest. Forest, from what I uh, saw, played them off the park. So uh, good result there. Always a pleasure. But uh, it's sad that we went out straight afterwards. Uh, Karen Williams said some people aren't real because uh, they're causing, calling for Arteta's head. Seriously, I was at the game and actually the people I was sat near weren't overly bothered. It, it means less games. Well, that just re- reinforces the point that we were saying. Um, right, let's have a like a school report at the end of term. Arsenal have obviously improved drastically this season. Uh, what's the difference, Tom, from your point of view about this current side? What's the reasons that we're doing so well? Um, the investment in the summer um, and because of people like uh, Gabriel Jesus and Zinchenko, they've been at City for, what is it, like four to five years. They know what it takes to win. Uh, they've got the winner's mentality. And at the moment, it seems to be spreading around the squad. Uh, Saliba, even though he's been with us for, what, three years? We haven't seen him play until this season properly for Arsenal. And he's just been a revelation at the back. Um, so there's another reason there. And I just think that because Arteta's had the time and we haven't, you know, they haven't pulled the trigger on him or got rid of him, He's just allowed, been allowed to do his job, get rid of all the bad eggs. I mean, let's think about last season with the Aubameyang thing. Everyone probably thought, this is crazy, we're getting rid of our talisman. But now you look at it a year on, he was right to do so. Um, so I do think uh, that's one of the reasons as well. So Arteta having the time. And just the squad in general just seems in a great place. I mean, all right, we've had a few injuries, but not as bad as uh, other years where we've lost our best players and everything. So. I think that's a combination of four things right there, to be honest. So just injuries, uh, the mentality of the squad, Arteta being given the time and investment in the summer. Nick, who looks like Ben Affleck, uh, what's your standout sort of (laughs) 
<laughs> what's your standout sort of point of view on what's changed at Arsenal? Why are we in the position we're in? Uh, same question as Tom, really. Yeah, I think a big part of it's continuity. I mean, we've been looking at the Chelsea game. We played the same 11 in preseason against Chelsea as we could do in the league against them. So the patterns that have been hammered out in training, um, I mean, are it's almost second nature, I think, for a lot of the guys. And Arteta's really got his team now with his players, with the um, skill sets, characteristics, exactly how he wants. So it's all on, on him if we sink or um, if we fly. And, you know, we're definitely um, just definitely obviously doing well. And uh, he's he's been a big part of that. Yeah, so I think having continuity in the team, like Tom said, I mean, having luck with injuries because we've been very unlucky with injuries. I think if we have Thomas Party last season, we get Champions League, no issues. And uh, that was such a loss. So, I mean, so far, so good for the most part with injuries and I I pray that continues because I think if we stay fully fit you know that continuity continues um I trust our first 11 and maybe um KT and Tomiyasu off the bench but after that I uh I prefer those guys to not be in the starting lineup because uh yeah our starting lineup is is what we need and after that it's uh it's paper thin Ben uh Obviously, the players get the credit because they do the job, don't they? But he's managed to assemble Mikko Arteta, a fabulous sort of uh, backroom team, hasn't he? Really kind of the the ethos of the club. The entire club has changed from top to bottom. Yeah, and and you got a glimpse of that in the All or Nothing documentary where it's you're seeing how the players are responding to the backroom staff, how they not just the coaches, but the doctors, the medical team, the staff, like there's a rapport, there's a lightness, there's a uh, interaction. Like there's something fun happening there where players seem to be really engaged. Uh, I know bitter Ronaldo came out and talked about how United hasn't really changed since he was there as a teenager. Um, Some of the same equipment, some of the same antiquated techniques, but it seems like Arteta has really focused on not just what's happening on the field, but really getting Conley to a place where uh, there's like this family type atmosphere. And you see that in the celebrations on the field, you see it, the, all the coaching staff uh, getting excited and animated on the sidelines. And uh, there's just an energy building um, again. And the Emirates is rocking. It is. Yeah. And they've been a big plus this season. I mean, all that to- toxicity, can't even say it toxicity that we had that's all gone now there's a, a real feel-good factor uh, Spanish Michael came out and said uh, nobody expected us to be where we are right now I am more focused on our way of playing our living together the atmosphere we have around Colney and uh, what we've generated with our supporters in the stadium it's it's so much more powerful which it is um, there was just one more comment before we get to the juicy stuff it's Simon Lester and he, uh, tongue firmly pressed in his cheek, obviously he said, I've had enough of Arteta, time for him to go. All this top of the league stuff while playing well and scoring goals, coupled with unifying the fan base, most of them, uh, is really getting me down. I want to see the back of him, <laughs> which I thought was good. Um, right then, um, let's just go to the Wolves game. Jay, what did you make of the Wolves game? Were you a bit nervous going into it? We'll do the team uh, sheet in a minute, which was pretty predictable. But uh, 
did you feel on edge because this was such a crucial one taking us into Christmas? Um, no, I wouldn't say I felt on edge. I, I suppose there was just um, the added, uh, the added, I suppose, a little bit of pressure with City dropping points. We really needed to capitalise. Um, and, you know, in years gone by, we haven't always managed to do that. Whereas, I mean, it was, I'm sure we'll get into the performance, but it was, for me, it was a really mature performance and um, a confident performance. One that, uh, you know, we had to take our time, um, but in the end, we got what we needed, even though the, even though there was a, you know, the, the sickness element added to the team. And uh, I, I, from what I've read, I think there was a few of them that weren't feeling very well. So I suppose it, it, um, it, it just just shows just what kind of a good performance it was. So uh, wasn't nervous. Uh, Wolves weren't, you know, they haven't been in a good place. Have they waiting for a new manager? So um, I was confident, and um, yeah, we managed to get what we needed. The thing is with them is that I mean they had a couple of uh, breaks which were absolutely exceptional counter attacks, but they've just got no one up front, have they? Uh, there's a few players missing, and I couldn't believe that. Uh, Pudence was on the bench. Uh, you know, Jimenez is missing. Uh, who else have we got that's missing? I think there's another one as well. I'll, I'll remember it as we, we soldier on. Uh, but there was no surprises in the team sheet, really, was there? It kind of picks itself. And you know that if it's a tough match, that Zinchenko is going to get the nod. Um, what did you uh, think about the performance, uh, Nick? I nearly called you Ben again then. <laughs> Yeah, it was, I mean, we obviously weren't at our best, but it was still controlled in a lot of areas. And it's one of these to where if we do win the league, we look back and just be like, we had to have that. And certain guys stepped up in certain moments. And, um, you know, Fabio Vieira had a huge uh, role to play coming on so early. Um, Jesus not firing in front of goal. So a couple just different, narratives in play at this time of year but um, I thought it was a professional performance I thought we defended generally quite well and if we can do that then we're always going to have a chance to win it just gets to a point like are we going to have enough time to create enough chances to pop one in and it just took a moment of brilliance from Jesus and Vieira to break it open and then after that I didn't think we'd be looking back but um, yeah, Ramsdale, White continuing their great form. Martin Odegaard, obviously, bagging a couple was a great captain's performance from him. So yeah, I think we're. I think that showed the maturity of our team um, because on paper, away at the Molyneux is um, not a place that's been very friendly to us. And I mean, even looking back, the last it's not a nice year place to go. It's uh, it's really quite <laughs> intimidating. You've been there, Jay. Yeah, we went a couple of years ago when uh, we got absolutely battered. It was a three 0 down at half time and half the away end left. So, yeah, that, it, and it's a good, it's Old a big memories. atmosphere. You know, it's it's a, um, it's a big atmosphere in there, and um, I think we got away with uh, yellow card um, midway through the first half on Erdegaard right in front of the referee on the halfway line, and then I think it was about five minutes later. Um, I don't know which Wolves player it was, but he got pulled up for pretty much the same thing. Thing so that obviously revved up the crowd a bit and, and it is, it is an atmospheric stadium. And, um, 
it's just unfortunate for those fans that Wolves have been a bit crap, haven't they, this season? And they've got nothing to get behind. They haven't got Jimenez up front scoring goals. You know, they're having, they're having to sort of watch a, you know, an aging Diego Costa uh, and whoever else they've got up front. I thought Guedes was a good, was a bit of a threat for him. I thought he did well. Uh, and Traore is always a bit of a um, unpredictable sort of character, isn't he? But uh, yeah, it's uh, it, like, like Nick said, it's, it's not always been a nice place for us, and uh, I just thought it was an, a mature performance. It's a uh, it's quite kind of depressing place. Sorry if you live in Wolverhampton, but I've not got much good to say about it. Um, Neto is the one I was thinking of. He was missing as well, wasn't he? Tom, you ever been down to Wolverhampton? Uh, yeah, I've been there before because I've got family up there. Uh, but never at the stadium. I was going to say, I just drove through it at speed. No, no, no. Um, <laughs> uh, but I've never been at the Molyneux, to be honest. Um, yeah. And to be honest, I was actually, I did think, cast my mind back the last few games we've been there. Um, and I did think about it. It would be typical to lose a game like today. But luckily, we got the job done, three points. Um, and I'm so glad Odegaard, obviously Norway, are not going to the World Cup. I hope he has a good rest and comes back. But then again, the problem is you've got Haaland as well. He's going to have a rest for Man City. So, um, yeah. Um, this World well, What Cup do you make about all the stick? Uh, there's been some stick on social media, social media for um, Odegaard. What do you make of that? It's absolutely awesome. I, I, I think it's crazy. Awesome. Like, I honestly think he's a great player. And ever since he's been with us, even on that loan spell, okay, he didn't, I don't think he scored many goals on that loan spell or even create much, but you can see there's enough there to get behind. And he's only what, 23, 24? He's still a very young player. Um, and I think he's been great since coming to Arsenal. Obviously, everyone talks about him highly that he's a, a natural leader. Um, he's obviously the captain. I I think he's been fantastic since coming to Arsenal. There might be times, yeah, he might. The only thing that winds me up a bit with uh, Odegaard, he reminds me a bit of Meza Ozil. When he has a chance to shoot, he'd rather pass it instead. And that just infuriates me. Just be a bit more selfish and clinical. Um, but, I think um, that's one of the things he'll solve with age, though, isn't, isn't it? And yeah. confidence. It'll, it'll, I mean, getting a brace in a game like that, that's brilliant. And he probably has got the flavour for it now. He knows he can do it and he can work in these small pockets of space surrounded by people. He's got an amazing turn of speed, uh, a, a really super intelligent and, and quick footed, if you like. He, he just he just moves around at a different speed to everybody else. It's fascinating to see. Yeah, I, 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 I did see that about social media. Some people are just harsh on him, but I think he's been a great addition, to be honest, 100%. And, he, and let's be honest, at the age of 16, to get uh, bought by Real Madrid, there must be something good about you. Definitely must be something good about you. Oh, I bet they're being yeah. sick in their paella at 35 million. What's I know. Like? What a bargain mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. Stolen. Um, Wolves huffed and puffed, uh, but they lacked that goal threat that we were talking about. Um, people were grumbling about our general performance that I, I read. And uh, you're not going to go to Molyneux. And uh, they're just going to, they're bottom of the league. They've got a new manager coming in. They've got a point to prove. You're not going to go there and score 5 0, are you? Um, ben, uh, overall, I mean, you know, some of the fans, it, it just doesn't balance, does it? What are you looking for? We won 2 0 in the end, but people were moaning about the first half performance. You can't expect these teams to just roll over. 
No, just because they're bottom of the bottom of the table, it means they're fighting for something, and they're going to be compact. I mean, often, especially early in the match, they had eleven behind the ball, and so we we had a tough go of even just breaking them down, and and that's going to be the the formula for teams against us is sit in a super low block and look to counter, and so in that you're if you're not going to score early, which is normal, um, it's going to take time to to create something and as long as we have our defensive shape we we hit the patterns like it it could take time and a 2-0 win is actually I think a very strong win um all things considered and so we're at the top now and and people forget last year but there's a a little bit of greed coming into our fan base Uh, feel a a spot of brightness and you just want (laughs) to steal the whole sun so I don't I, I'm okay with with the victory. I think on the day with the pressure, with the the stomach aches happening, all of that put into it. I I think two nil is a. I think Jay said it earlier. A very a good sign of maturity in in the win. It was quite odd with Jacques. Uh, I, 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 immediately, I couldn't see what had happened. I thought he might have tweaked something, and then uh, he, he went a funny color, didn't he? And they carted him off. Um, Jay, before we get to the goal, were you uh, kind of fearful for Vieira? He's, um, he's he's been hot and cold, hasn't he? And people are getting on his back about being too slight, uh, being too slow. Um, we'll get on to what he did in this game. But uh, did you think that that was the right, obviously he turned out the right replacement in the end, but did you think at that point, oh, what's he doing on here? Um, did I think it was the right replacement? Uh, yeah. Um, I think initially I pro- you probably expect Lekonga. Maybe I don't think he was in the in the squad though, was he, Lekonga? Mm-hmm. Thinking back, um, I, when he was brought on, I thought Erdegaard would drop further back. Um, and Vieira, but it didn't seem to play like that, did it? Vieira seemed to sit oh. in. Um, he we've seen bits and pieces. You know, his performance at Brentford was good, wasn't it? Obviously, scored a a lovely goal there. And um, but there's been other there's been other um other performances that have sort of, uh, you know, made you realise just how young he is. And, you know, he's, he's come over to a, a new a new country and playing in a new league at a very young age uh, for big money. And there's, there's always going to be pressure that comes with that. Um, but I thought he did well, you know. Uh, I suppose if you look at that Wolves side, they're probably strongest in the centre of midfield, aren't they? You know, at the moment anyway, they've got some, you know, Matinho's a, 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 de- a decent enough player and, uh, they've got a couple of others in there, and and I thought he did all right. And like like Nick said, he did really well for the um, the goal. Um, and he's, there's no doubt that he's got quality. But um, I suppose a performance like that, um, you know, he was a key part of that win, Vieira, and that would do his confidence the world of good because he's been a, on the periphery, hasn't he, this season? Not really contributed maybe as much as he want he wanted to. But then again, his performances when he's coming haven't always warranted a, a more of a push for the Premier League squad. So uh, I wasn't concerned. Um, I always felt that we were going to get the result on the day. We just had to just bide our time, really, and just sort of pass them to death. Um, but uh, I thought he did well, and I was happy for him that he was part of, you know, a, a key part of that win. So, yeah. Happy. I think it's another illustration as well, isn't it, how thin we are, because, like, you know, Xhaka goes off, and you probably think that we bring someone off uh, of equal standard in, but we haven't got that person. Uh, everyone is a little bit shy beneath, and uh, we're having to get the error to play all sorts of roles. That can't really help as well. Um, let's get on to that goal. 
Uh, Jesus did his usual magical samba feed, didn't he? Uh, Nick, have a walk through that goal. It was absolutely sublime. Yeah, the run from Vieira was very Xhaka-esque, and uh, he definitely seemed to change second half compared to first half. It was so funny, though, second half, he had just played one straight out of bounds, and I messaged our group text and uh, was not happy with how he was playing. And, um, yeah, then he goes and does that. But, yeah, Jesus um, slide real pass through and Vieira um, splitting through. And his first touch I thought was intentional and, and great and really – put Jose saw in a position to where he had to do something. And the dink across um, was really, really weighted well. Um, and Odegaard really had to cover a lot of ground. Saka was already there. If you watch it, Odegaard really had to cover a lot of ground to get in. And I think that's just a sign of a good goal when uh, it's tapped in. And uh, then there's another guy there to score it as well. So yeah, really showed a moment of brilliance from both Jesus and Vieira and to have, just so many guys in the box. Um, yeah, it's brilliant. And I think, uh, I think continues to show the evolution, um, just getting more numbers in. I think at some points you can see five or six uh, hovered around, if not in that box. And especially once the ball gets to the end line, um, they're all coming in. So yeah, that will lead to lots of goals, but um, yeah, credit to Jesus and a special credit to Vieira who has had a little bit of a tricky start, but um, showed his quality in that and his celebration showed that you could see how relieved he was and Martinelli was so happy for him and he turned around to the bench and fist pumped and, and got that back and was kind of celebrating on his own but that kind of showed me that he knows he's been uh, uh the maybe old shirt not... pulling yeah, yeah. The badge tapping he needed that for sure and yeah. uh, will be interesting to see what kind of player he is um uh, having having gone on uh, U21 break um coming back hopefully uh, with a little extra juice after that. It's a real valid point that you made there because if uh, I watched the game from last season um, and basically looking at us going forward, the movement was okay, but the follow-up into the box wasn't that great. We didn't have people there. We, You know, you were looking at Lacazette, who's got no legs. Uh, lack of net, more like. And um, then obviously Aubameyang. It was... It was we were very slow, very ponderous. But with this, as you say, first goal, there were four red and white shirts in the box. Uh, and then the second goal, which we'll come into, there were five. You know, there are people making those runs, people uh, taking a chance to get fed that ball that's coming through from the likes of Odegaard and Martinelli and Saka as well. So it is a phenomenal difference and it's making a hell of a difference. When Tom was talking about what the difference was, that is one of the big differences. Uh, right then, um, as we say, Odegaard got the brace. He started off 55 minutes, um, deprived of Xhaka's uh, influence, but we still came through that. Second goal, um, let's let's go. Uh, I'll be with you in a minute, fellas. Uh, let's go back to Jay because he likes talking about goals. Uh, it was a wonderful goal and it gives us a chance to all enjoy the footwork of Martinelli, the irrepressible Gabby Martinelli, who doesn't give up on a lost cause, Jay. Yeah, I mean, on the night, I thought he was he was superb. Again, his you know his dribbling was was fantastic, and I think just before the goal, he went on a bit of a windy run, didn't he? Um, and then the ball um, went over to the to to the left hand side, and it was a mistake from their their fullback. Um, lovely little back heel um, from Martinelli uh, into Zinchenko, who took it to the byline cut it back and I think it fell to Martinelli, didn't he? And he shot 
and then there was a save and then um I mean lovely finish from Odegaard you know because it's a packed box isn't it in front of him and um he could have easily just ballooned it over or or panicked but he showed great calmness and obviously confidence um and I mean I mean Thomas hit the nail on the head earlier like he we're so lucky to well not lucky we're fortunate to have Odegaard he's you know like he epitomizes I think Arteta's management you know he he um he's trusted by the by the boss and he's technically so good and in that situation that just was a great example of of not panicking and um he took it away beautifully right in that bottom corner uh and he's he's a joy isn't he Odegaard he's you know he it's not it's not just his his assists or his his guile or you know his even his passing it's his work rate as well and his pressing even you know this in his first season when he was on loan that's what really um, impressed me most you know his pressing his high press on the ball his energy and he's always he's just bought straight into the um, he bought into Arsenal didn't he straight away and he loves being at the club I love seeing the whole kissing the badge and hitting his chest and you know you love that and I know. You, you know, you live in hope that it means, you know, he's he's, he's telling, the, you know, he's he means it. Um, but lovely finish, great goal. Um, and he's he's excelling as captain, isn't he? Um, and uh, he's adding goals to his game, which which is always a good thing. Uh, Tom, uh, talking of Odegaard, how many goals can you see this guy getting per season when he hits maybe next year? Do you think he's capable of 12 to 15 goals? Surely uh, he's, he's building up to that kind of level and he's taking the, the strain and stress off the strikers. Everyone's scoring, everyone's contributing, which is fantastic. Yeah, I, I think so. I think between 10 to 15, I think he can do that. Um, and it, it isn't just about the goals and the assists. It's just like you were saying about his uh, the pockets of space um, helping um, the strikers. Um, obviously help just the whole team. I just think, you know, everyone, I remember there was a, a big question asked about him becoming captain and everyone was obviously, I think uh, everyone's choice really was probably Kieran Tierney. But you look at Odegaard, he just leads by example. Um, and ever since he's been brought to the club, he just seems to be loving life and playing really well. And um, yeah, I think he, he'll get even better with age and I think you'll probably get more than 15 maybe probably even 20 because um, I remember Cesc Fabregas went through the same thing as well under Arsene Wenger where he first came in he didn't really score many goals but then he had a one season it was actually full of goals and he carried through that for the rest of his career with Chelsea with Barcelona so I think Odegaard can definitely do the same thing definitely um, it's interesting you say about the old passion, the badge kissing and all that sort of thing. Uh, I don't know whether you saw it. Uh, Zinchenko's, uh, he's got his own gym in his house and he's had this massive mural done with uh, front and back of him in an Arsenal shirt because he was an Arsenal fan originally, but it's absolutely magnificent. hes uh, I bet his wife's really reluctant to go in there. Oh, look, there's the husband on the wall and there again. But yeah, it's uh, it just made you kind of really... Um, keen on the boy because he's uh, an absolute Arsenal fan. Let's do the match stats. Uh, 11 shots for Wolves. I didn't think they had that many. 14 for Arsenal, two shots on target for them, four for us, 37% for them, 63 for us, 348 passes for them, 579 for us, 
79% pass accuracy for them, 89% for us. Now, trans, uh, transfer window's coming up. What do we need? Where do we need it? Who are we going to look to push us forward then? Oof, yeah, I saw you question. scratching your head thinking, when's he going to get me involved? No, <laughs> it's, a, it's a big question. <laughs> I mean... That's that's the question that's been on been on everybody's mind. There's a lot of uh, rumors with this Ukrainian winger whose name I just can't even imagine know how to pronounce. Come on, Jay, bail us out. You, you, Midrick, Midrick, yeah, Midric. Okay, that yeah. One, it then. seems like uh, Zinchenko's wife, Zinchenko's wife did an interview with him and is pushing him to be an Arsenal player, and and he's admitted he'd love to come play for us and. So it seems like there's some good momentum to bring him on and bring him in, which I I do think I don't have full trust in Eddie and Reese Nelson to take us to that next level yet. Um, and so I think we could use something there. And then I do think the big, the biggest signing for us, I think would be uh, a player who can push Thomas party play a six slash eight hybrid role um, and start to kind of elevate our midfield where um, El Nenny can do a job. Um, but who's the, who's the next person that, that really starts to to push some competition in that midfield. And so I think a, a name like this is a big one, but Declan Rice is on a struggling West Ham team, a player of that caliber to bring in would be, would be a sign that we're really, really pushing and going for this thing. So those would be the two areas I would look at, the players, the names. I'm not sure, but that's where I have my eyes. Uh, Nick, if we don't reinforce, uh, if we bring in a couple of like 18 to 21-year-olds, we, we're not really being serious about the opportunity that we've got. And it, it kind of tells its own story. I'm hoping that's wrong. And I'm sure it is. I'm sure Edu and uh, Arteta are looking at every possible opportunity to bring someone in. But if they don't, if we get a couple of uh, Sambi Lakongas in, um, it shows that we're missing the boat a bit, doesn't it? Yeah, I think that that would definitely be the wrong profile. I think that might be a summer profile to look at. But we look at the Vlahovic saga last year, and um, you know, still think what would that have looked like if if he was in would we have gotten over the edge? And I mean, now our, our ambitions not only are higher, but we're at, we're in such a position. It's, it's one of those things we have to capitalize on because you just don't know when you're going to be back in this position. I mean, it's certainly um, the upward trajectory is looking like, man, I hope this is a, is something that is a regular thing and we're back to where Arsenal belongs, but you have to take full advantage of where we're at now and, I don't know how familiar you guys are with American football. I don't watch too much myself, but Stan Kroenke's LA Rams had a team together and needed a quarterback, made a huge move to get Matthew Stafford and they won the Super Bowl. So I know Kroenke's not uh, as involved as Josh is, but um, I don't know. I, I hope that's a good sign when it's like, Hey, we need to get pushed over the edge. We need some reinforcements. Um, I hope we can use that money wisely. And yeah, you're right. I think Mikel and Edu, um, hopefully have multiple lined up. I agree with Ben. I think Mudrick would be a great signing. Um, still young. Um, I get some Nicola Pepe vibes from him, just being a left-footed winger. Oh, God, um, no. I know. I hate to say that, but, I mean, works plays well off the counter, but 
Um, I think that's the big question. Can he do it against a low block? I mean, that's what we saw against Wolves. How do you break down this low block? And I think we're going to play a lot of teams like that. So, um, we, yeah, just having somebody else to push that front three and be like, hey, I'm, if you're not scoring goals, I will. Um, and as we continue to battle across three fronts now, I hope we can give them all a right go. I would love somebody like Declan Rice. I, I know I was talking to you about that, Ben, and, you know, to me, it's like, why not go for it? Just splash it. I bet West Ham will be reluctant to sell, but he's certainly, I think he's quite likely to leave in the summer. So why not just go for it right now? And if you're him, you know, why wouldn't you want to go to the table topping title chasing team that's, you know, pushing for Champions League as well? Um, I think getting Emil Smith Rowe back, a healthy Smith Rowe, is going to do us major wonders. Um, because it, you, look, you look at Xhaka's injuries, Smith throws that first guy in and he's first team for, you know, starting lineup quality. And hopefully he can push that front three. I mean, he could play um, left wing with Martinelli. He can play the Xhaka role. He can play the Odegaard role. So a little bit of an ace up our sleeve. Hopefully he comes back fit and we see a demon like we did last year. Um, Jay, I was talking to Melanie uh, Kay on Facebook and we were talking about attracting uh, the type of experienced player that we need. Um, do you think that Arsenal still has that clout, still has that draw? I know we're top of the league at the moment, but uh, overall, obviously, the more attractive side is Manchester City, Liverpool and all that, or has been over recent years. We've still got that clout, that draw? Oh, I think we've always had that clout that draw I think we've that hasn't um, I, I mean I suppose you could it maybe has diminished slightly you know not being in the Champions League for a few years but uh, we're still it, Arsenal is still a huge club still a huge name in Europe worldwide you know and, and players will always want to come and play for us and I mean the transformation um, over the last 18 months or so um, can only help that and uh Players talk, don't they? You know, players, they all know each other. They're all friends, you know, like they, you only have to look at the pictures of the England team and, and you know, these players that are rivals on a Saturday or a Sunday or whatever, they're all hugging each other and they're all friends. So they all talk. Uh, I mean, I would love a Declan Rice. I just can't I ever see that happening. It's just too much, too much money. You know, it's it would be a, it would be a deal that would most probably ha- have to happen over the summer. Um, and I, I, I agree with with what you guys have been saying, why wouldn't he want to come to us? But I think he's, uh, you know, I think is he a Chelsea fan? I think, or, or I think I've read that somewhere. And and obviously, <laughs> City, uh, City are always there. They always they have that economic um, power over most teams. Uh, I think we went hard for Douglas Louise at the end of the, the summer window. So I think it shows that we're we the management think we're we need strengthening there. So I think we'll we'll go for somebody to, um, you know, like like Ben said, somebody to rival Shaka and Thomas Party to give them some real, you know, real competition because they know as well as we all know that there is a there is a drop-off. Lekonga, you know, at the moment isn't ready to to step into either of those two boots and, and put in a performance. Um, and, and, you know, El Nenny has got a decent performance in him, but he's still not the answer, you know, as honest as in, and, and, and as a, he, he comes across as such a good guy, but yeah, from, from a quality point of view, he, he's not, I don't think he's, he's quite up there yet. So I think we'll see a uh, central midfielder. I also think, you know, Edu and Arteta know 
as well as we all know that this is a this is a crazy good position that we have to take advantage of. Uh, and I think they'll be they'll be pushing Josh for as much money as possible because if we, I mean, I'm so reluctant to say it. You know, if we do go and win the league this season, it completely elevates us, doesn't it? It takes us to a, the next level. And it, it, you know, it's not just if we get fourth this season. Yes, we'll be able to attract. You you would think, uh, you know, the, the next level of player. But if we go into next season as league champions, that takes us up another notch or two so uh they'll be really pushing josh i think josh you know over the last couple of years has been a lot more involved hasn't he you know he was obviously involved in the in the documentary um and i think he he will realize as well just what a good position this is uh both commercially and on the pitch uh so um i i, I I don't know who we're going to sign. I mean, obviously, I've said a few times, Tielemans is tailor-made. His contract's ending um, in the summer. Um, there was rumours that we were in for him and, and he's Premier League ready, can score a goal. And I think he, he does add competition. Is he better than Partey and Shaka? I don't know about that. You know, my wife's a big Leicester fan and he isn't as well-liked in that fan base as you would think he is. They don't rate him as highly as maybe fans of other teams, how other, you know, maybe us or other clubs view him as a player. He's not as well-liked and he's not as consistent as maybe um, we all think he is. However, he has that star quality and he's he can, he's got a banger in him and he's a big game player. So I'd go for someone like, I could, I don't know, maybe I wouldn't go for someone, I don't know, maybe I would. He'd be, he'd be cheap, cheap enough and he's got the quality, but I don't know. your mind, Jay. <laughs> Talking yourself yeah. out of it. No, no. I, I would... I just, it, it, I, we, I think they're going to go for that. We have to go for players that are going to improve the team. I, we can't go for anything less. Um, we have to go for the, improving that starting eleven. Um, so God knows who, who they've got their eyes on. But getting Smith Rowe back, like Nick said, is massive. You know, if we can get him back to somewhere like you know the goal scoring form that he was last season. You know, in the running in the last twenty games or whatever, if we can add ten goals from midfield, it'd be huge, wouldn't it? So he really is going to be like a new signing. So um, he's just such an exciting player to watch as well, isn't he? It's, you know, it's there's just a little bit of style about him. He's so um, so unusual as a player. He's a, the kind of socks down running at people all the time, and as soon as he gets that ball, there's nothing else on his mind. He's like direct, as direct as you like, and that's. That's the beauty of bringing these youngsters through Hale Ends because it's instilled in them. It's it's drilled into them. Now, the reason I said about um, sort of attraction with the club was because um, I was chatting away to Melanie Kay, as I said, and we used Zinchenko as uh, the perfect example of how we weren't doing particularly well when he joined us. But uh, he, he, he's been a fan of the club for years. But he blew off Man City, where he could have got more medals, to come and join Arsenal, uh, not only because there was a passion inside him to do so, but because he believed in what we're doing in this so-called process thing. And that's why I wanted to talk about that, just to bring that through and remind people that Arsenal are a massive global club. I mean, you can go anywhere in the world and you'll see an Arsenal shirt, plenty of Arsenal shirts, actually. Uh, if you go to Taiwan, you'll probably see them for about £5.50. Um, 
Right, let's talk about, let's do the rounds. Uh, the most improved player, Tom, who is your most improved player of the season? Uh, it has to be Granite Shaka, surely. It has yeah. to be him, yeah. Just Absolutely. think about two, three years ago under Unai Emery when he got booed off, um, you know, against uh, Crystal Palace. And in that point, rightly so, because he threw the captain's armband or the shirt, if I remember... I don't agree with all this stuff on social media about... If you know, he had thrown that shirt, Tommy, would have been straight out the door. No, he, he resisted. Well, he, he thought about it. He was going to yeah. launch it, and then he stopped short. Otherwise, uh, I would have said, just said, get rid of him. You know, yeah. you don't disrespect the shirt or the badge. But, uh, yeah, you're you're completely right. From that point of where he was, he was in the doldrums, and no one liked him. I mean, myself and Jay over the last few years... We've just been saying, you know, why did Wenger buy him? Where does he fit? What does he do? What's he worth? You know, about £3.50. He just wasn't doing anything, adding anything to the club. Now, who the hell is this guy? Who the hell is this version of Granny Xhaka? Sorry, Tom, I interrupted. No, it's all right. I mean, another thing I was thinking about, there's obviously something good about him because under Wenger, he played pretty much... Uh, through that uh, season before Wenger left and when he actually joined the club as well. Then there was Unai Emery. Um, he picked him pretty much all the time as well. Then, all right, Freddie Youngberg was only there for a few games. He kept picking him as well. And then, obviously, Arteta. It's just, you know, he stopped him from going to Pali Hertha Berlin, I think it was, he was going to go and join. But he said he needed to keep him because of the experience that he bring, you know, he's got. And... Ever since, especially this season, the beginning of this season, he's just been absolutely crazy. Like he's done really, really well, um, adding goals as well to his game, and just I, I obviously there will be times he might let us down by probably conceding a penalty or a red again. A red. Apparently, he's never he's always been sent off with a straight red. He's never had a second yellow in his career, and I find that really fascinating. I don't know where I heard that stat from, but apparently, it's true. Because there's a loss. Sometimes you can see it. He loses his call and it obviously um, lets himself down, lets the team down. But um, apart from that, this season, he's just been phenomenal. Yeah. I yeah, mean, he, in my... he doesn't mess about, does he? I mean, if he's going to get a card, he's like straight in there. And, you know, have it. Uh, knocks a guy up in the air. Studs and all sorts. Fists flying. He's a crazy man. But uh, yeah, I mean... As I say, uh, grown to admire him for not only his football, what, how he's turned his football around, but as a person. Uh, apparently, he had his bags packed and he was off. Does everyone agree that uh, he's the most improved player? I think it's universal, isn't it? Right, let's move on to the best performance of the season for Arsenal. Uh, Nick, what tickles your fancy on that front, if you'll pardon the expression? <laughs> um... I would have to go with the it's so many to choose from. What a, what a great <laughs> spot to be in. Um I'm gonna have to go with the Liverpool game, just getting over the hump of oh man, we've been so bad against them for so long. Um yeah, but just showed that I I think showed ourselves, showed the league that okay, this is where we're at now. We can hang. Um I thought the Tomiyasu at left back was a master stroke and um yeah, a big, I mean, a great goal from Martinelli to start it. Um, 
And I, 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 I could give him a shout for most improved player because I think he's on the edge of stardom for sure. It's really hard to go against that for Xhaka, though. So good shout, Tom. But yeah, I'm going to have to go with the Liverpool game. Just cement, I don't want to say cementing ourselves because we're not, but finally proving to ourselves and getting over that hump. Like, okay, yeah, we can do this. And now I just feel like we can. You know, we look at the Man City game at home last year and how well we played, but came away with nothing. And now, okay, this is a, a huge, I mean, one of the best teams in Europe. I know they haven't been, um, you know, up to their standard this year, but we took care of them. And now it's like, okay, I, now, now I feel like we can hang, not only hang with, but get three points off of anyone in the league. And that makes you title contenders. Yeah, I think there was, uh, there was a few games last season where I felt physically sick. Uh, City, United and Everton. Uh, and then as the season wore on, it got even worse. Uh, we got turned over every every time we, we turned up, basically. Um, ben, what about your highlight game of the year? Yeah. So uh, far. Yeah, I think Liverpool's a good shout. I think from a performance standpoint, I think we probably had some of our best stretches of football against the top side there. Uh, But for me, I mean, beating uh, Tottenham was a fantastic result. It was on my birthday too. And so I had a big uh, watch party at my house. (laughs) So I had a a few 7am pints and uh, it was, it was a, it was a, just a great time to uh, party and celebrate. And just like, this is where, it just felt like it built into the momentum of Liverpool too. And so having that run through, I think it um, it was just a really good result against uh, the worst team in the world. So, <laughs> Jay, do you agree with any of those or have you got another one? I mean, just uh, just to be different, Chelsea, just to, to get a win there and to control the game um, and to restrict them to just pretty much nothing. Um, we should have won by more, but being Spurs, that's just you know, in, in the manner that we did as well, you know, um, yeah, the Liverpool result was great, but there's been so many, you know, um, we've 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 dominated pretty much every every team, even the United game away. We we absolutely, you know, we did not deserve to lose that game. We 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 we, um, we controlled that game, and uh, I think there's only really the Europa. You know the the P, uh, PSV game where we, we we didn't deserve to win. I think the rest we we've started on the front foot, played with great tempo and controlled and dominated. And I hope that we can, you know, after this World Cup break, we can start where we left off because nobody wants this break in momentum, do we? we, we you know, we could have done with keeping this. You know, keeping the. The game's coming thick and fast because we're we're in such a good position. But uh, yeah, I'll, I'll go with uh, I'll just just to be different. I'll go with the Chelsea game. Well, that sounds good, uh, Tom. We'll kick off with you with this one. Uh, player of the season so far, slightly different to the most most improved. But who's your standout? Gets your bum off the seat. I'm torn actually between the def- two defenders, uh, Saliba and Ben White. And I know it sounds crazy, but because of um. Saliba being such a young age and look how well he's done. And uh, sometimes he looks like the natural leader out of the two compared to him and uh, Gabriel. But then I look at Ben White, who's been asked to fill in at right back all season and look how well he's done. And he deserves to be in the World Cup squad. I don't know if he'll play because obviously they keep talking about Kieran Trippier. 
which probably he'll take the place there. But at least they know they've got a good option right there that can back up uh, Kieran uh, Trippier. Um, so, yeah, it's between them two, to be honest, in my head. Yeah. Cool. Nick? That's just definitely the hardest question because, I mean, I feel like every win we I'll have... you frozen can... then for a minute. We, <laughs> we get that old <laughs> screen bit where you just go... <laughs> I, I tried to unmute myself and I kept missing. <laughs> um, I mean, you look at so many wins and you can easily nominate four players and it's like, how am I going to choose from this? And it's just been a carousel of this this player and this player, this game, and so many great performances. I think Ben White has been tremendous this year for sure. And just at center back last year, I loved watching him play, but now I think taking our level up at right back, he's been tremendous. But I'm going to have to go Thomas Party because he – we are just so much better when he plays the Europa League game that I was at when he came on with Odegaard in the second half and we scored, I think, minutes later, but just how much they can change. So I think more part of it, partially with the drop-off that we have without him, which we saw last year, um, but he's been so dynamic. Now adding goals, he's not clunking people in row Z. I mean, he's finding the back of the net, which with some glorious goals, um, but just bossing the midfield. And I think what he does allows Granit Xhaka to do what he's doing now, bombing up the pitch, allows Odegaard to control games. And he's just so trusted there to have the ball with multiple people around him and keep it. And um, But he also breaks lines. Um, so, he, I mean, he's a hell of a player for sure. And this is the player that we dropped the 50 mil on the La Liga headquarters desk to get him for his release clause. So very happy to see that, um, you know, his, his full potential is coming out. And um, if he's fit all season, we're, I think we're really, really going to push. They've got a great partnership as well. Those two have a great understanding. It takes time to get to that level, but now they've got it. It's, uh, it's joyous to watch. Uh, ben, any, any differences of opinion on what we've already heard? I thought I was going to surprise with uh, the Thomas Party uh, pick, but Nick, Nick, and I sometimes talk too much before this, and so sometimes <laughs> on the same page. Uh, I, I did do... he make your player Ben? Did he? Did he say, "Oh, I'll say that first, and uh, if he comes to me, I'll say it first. <laughs> yeah, that's his kind of Nick's attitude. He's just a thief in the night. So, uh, <laughs> no, I, I do think like I don't want to forget just how transformative Gabriel Jesus has been at the nine. Like the way he started and kicked off our season really gave us like some some very good momentum and pouring it in with goals early on. Now he's playing, uh, just providing a bunch of assists and uh, second assists, and his key passing is just pressing has been really big too. And so I think he deserves uh, a shout a shout there as well. Jay, what about you? Um, I think uh, I think Saliba's been unreal and I think the difference that he's made um I mean he's so commanding isn't he and he's so he's so um what I like about him as well is he he doesn't let the odd mistake bother him at all doesn't even like it affects him he just brushes it off and puts in a great performance and I think he's been superb um but my choice, I mean, just to be different again, would be Martin, Gabriel Martinelli. He's so, so dangerous and so relentless on the ball. He's grueling. Did you see this? 
he's growing confidence so much um and he seems to have beefed up physically as well and uh he's i mean he's that outlet on the left hand side um his dribbling is is so good and he's you know his goal against forest the other week showed that um he's willing to put his head where you know others might not so uh yeah i mean there's been so many though the whole team um have, has been superb um you can't fault any of them and they're all they're all looking so confident and it's just a shame this pissing world cup has turned up really it is um i've got to agree with you martinelli for me um I think the thing with Martinelli was he was a, a young, skinny kid when he came to us. And it's been magnificent to join his journey and see him, uh, like he would do with the Hale Enders, uh, see him just transform himself, not only physically, but he, he's added to his game. He gets me off my seat. Every time he gets the ball, I'm excited. Uh, in the Wolves game, right up by the corner flag, stealing the ball back, getting busy. Um, the enthusiasm, the energy, the purpose... Um, you know, but you could say that about the front three, really, because you, you've got so many options there. Saka, uh, Martinelli, and then you've got uh, Jesus through the middle. It really is an exciting, for a change, an exciting front line. Um, but there's so many players. Zinchenko's added so much uh, as well. Uh, and as you say, Saliba, uh, magnificent. Guys, uh, thanks ever so much. I'm going to let you go about your evenings or... Uh, well, it's, it's different for you guys in America, isn't it? You're just about probably going out for a beer, aren't you? Yeah, it's about. <laughs> I have to go pick up my son from the sitter. So, uh... All right. Oh, well, thanks for coming on, guys. Uh, it's been brilliant. Uh, don't forget, if you've got anything to say, anything to give us, it's an Arsenal thing for at gmail.com. You can subscribe to us on YouTube and you can follow and like us uh, on the audio version on Spotify. Uh, and Apple and Anchor as well. Uh, Tom, do you want to say a quick bit about your pod before we go? You've just launched a, a YouTube channel. Yeah, it's uh, called Tom Laguna on YouTube. Um, I just do various videos on obviously Arsenal about the performances on each game or try to, but because I work in the catering industry, sometimes it's hard to get videos done and stuff like that. Um, so if you guys want, just uh, like and subscribe and uh, appreciate you having me on tonight. Thank you very much. No problem at all. And uh, the Arsenal Brothers podcast, when are you doing that next, guys? <laughs> I thought we were doing it last night, but apparently not. So maybe tonight our our third member uh, is a bit spotty. So we need to do it soon for sure. So yeah, but it's hard this to fit it in, isn't it? With real life. I mean, we have problems sometimes uh, <laughs> yeah. sort of getting around to it. So I, I, I take the problem. Jay, I've got to mention, uh, we won't be back until obviously, uh, you know, Boxing Day after then. But uh, this is our second year on the podcast together. It's gone so quick, hasn't it? Amazing. Good times. Yeah, absolutely. I, I remember we recorded in the early days, we were recording the audio version only. And we lost the entire version. And Jay was so patient and so nice. He just said, well, we'll do it tomorrow. You know, it was, it was that type of thing because we lost the whole audio and it's not unusual, is it, mate, even now? <laughs> so anyway, guys, thanks very much. It's been a brilliant pod. It's been lovely to have you on board and uh, all your opinions. And I will see you uh, shortly at some other stage. Great. Take care. Thanks, Tom. Let's bring you the names of five players who have had long and illustrious careers and never received a red card. Quite remarkable. Ryan Giggs, 963 games, no red cards. But don't leave him alone with your wife. 
Raul, 932 games. Karim Benzema, 863 games. Andreas Iniesta, 840 games. And finally, Gary Lineker, 647 games, no red cards. But he did leave a bit of caca on a World Cup pitch during Italia 90 against the Republic of Ireland. And he said, I've never had so much room. I bet. I bet everyone was avoiding him like the plague. My thanks to Silent Dave. You can find him on Twitter as SilentDave101. And that's where you can also find Jay as the ball gooner. You can cosy up with Connor at ConnorJack2. Paul is at PMACCAP. And Lauren is at LaurenD2710. The podcast is on every social media outlet, including Facebook, Twitter and TikTok. Please subscribe to the YouTube version and like and follow the audio version. Shout outs to Brandon Murphy, Dave Miller at Arsenal Attic, Simon DC at Gunners for Life, which is twin to the podcast. Look up arsdevils.com for the latest Arsenal news and opinions. A big thanks from the podcast team to all of you for your support and emails, whether you watch or listen. Every subscription and every follow counts. Until next time, look after yourself and each other and remember North London is most certainly red